Okay, um, so tonight we're going to start on message one, and maybe you could, uh, if you could, read the outline title of message one. Okay, let's try that again, okay? Okay, how about together? Ready? Go. Okay, I need um, a brother to come up here that has a loud voice and has an exercised spirit. Not just loud voice, but your spirit is exercised. So Alex, where's Alex? Okay, come on up, Alex. Okay, now, I'm just going to tell you now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this first page, but, you know, in order to see the diamond, you need a black background. So, uh, Alex, what I want you to do, not read the verses, just read the condition of the Corinthian believers. Just, you know, each one, okay? And try to say it with your spirit, okay? okay? Go ahead. Divisive. Okay, well, <laughs> okay, but with some, you know, solemnity to it. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Not, not just crazy. Okay, okay. Okay, go ahead. Do it again. Okay, divisive. Yeah, much better. Okay. Striving. Striving. Fleshy. Fleshy. Boastful, judgmental, puffed up, immoral, defeated, uncaring, factious? Factious, yeah. Factious, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And inconsiderate. Okay. So this is just part of what the Corinthians were like. Thanks, Alex. That's good. Um, when people come to this book, the book of 1 Corinthians, oh, let me ask this question before I start. How many here have read through the whole book of 1 Corinthians? Okay, so a number have read through it. That's good. A lot of people, when they come to this book, they say, oh, this is a church with a lot of problems. It's, it's uh, filled with problems. And, you know, you read through those problems, and it's very, very easy to criticize the Corinthians. But you know what? As you read through those problems tonight, you go back to your, your place where you're staying, you know what you'll begin to realize? I actually got a lot of those problems. You know, I'm really criticizing the Corinthians, but I actually myself, you read through those, I've got a lot of those problems, and the place where I'm meeting has a lot of those problems. And eventually, you know what you realize? You're from Corinth, and you're a Corinthian. So, hey, brother, what's your name? Okay, stand up, Andrew. Come on over here, Andrew. Okay, Andrew, look at them and tell them where you're from. Lubbock. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, you didn't get it yet, Andrew. Nicholas, come on up. <laughs> okay, Nicholas, stand up and tell them where you're from. Corinth. And are you a Corinthian? Okay. No, tell them. I'm a Corinthian. I'm a Corinthian. Yeah, okay. Now, what is it? Andrew. Andrew, where are you from? Corinth. <laughs> and what are you? A Corinthian. Yeah. You know, eventually we realize this is a book for us. Don't pitchfork it on the Corinthians. This is a book for us. We need this book. And uh, so, you know, when Paul 
confronted this situation, you have to ask this question. How did Paul confront all the problems in Corinth? Now, I just want you to think about that for a second. Okay? Did he confront it with a self-improvement seminar? You know, some people today, that's a big thing. They go to seminars, and they have big notebooks, and they're trying to improve themselves. Did he confront it with self-help teachings? How did Paul confront this situation? Okay, now, this is what I want you to write down. Paul confronted this situation with a solution. Okay, this is what I want you to get. If somebody asks you, what did you get from that conference? What was Corinthians about? Don't tell them it was a book of problems. Okay, this book is a book of solutions. And Paul was presenting to these Corinthians time and time again the unique solution, which is Christ and his cross. That is the solution to every problem that we have, is Christ and his cross. And in this, in this time together, you can turn the page of your outline and you look on the next page how many items are there in that little section there under A? There's 20 items, right? Okay. Those 20 items are 20 Roman numerals that we're going to have during this conference. Okay. Now, they won't be, just so you won't be confused, they're not going to be in the order of these right here. Like, power is not the first one. We'll get power later. But if you look at the 20 Roman numerals in this conference... Each Roman numeral refers to one of these items of solution. And so when Paul was speaking to the Corinthians, he said, I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and this one crucified. In other words, with Paul, the solution is very simple. It's Christ and it's this one crucified. That's the solution. And so what we're hoping this weekend is when you go back and you have free time, how about some young people take the challenge to, re to read these and to come up on Lord's Day morning when Carrie's sharing and share these 20 points just like they are right here. Power, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You know, in other words, it's always good to, when we're studying the Bible to get what is the real burden in that book. And you know what, if you go back to your locality and you know these 20 items, then you have a feeling of what 1 Corinthians is all about. And something will get into you that will become a real solution to you the rest of your life. So I would just hope that some of you, like tonight, okay, I, I, I'm gonna practice right now. Tonight we have five items. It's only, that's one fourth, okay. First one is Christ is our portion. Okay, the second one is Christ is our wisdom. Third one is righteousness. The fourth one is sanctification. The last one is redemption. So he's portion, he's wisdom, he's righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Okay, Alex, okay, come on up here and share these with your spirit, these five points of what Christ is. Or may, maybe bring Will with you. We need Will. Where's Will? Yeah. Okay, now, 
I, I know if you have to cheat a little bit and you've got to look at your outline, um, but tell us that Christ is the solution in these five aspects. Okay, so what are the five aspects? He's the solution. Christ is our portion. Amen. He is our wisdom. Amen. He is our righteousness. Amen. He is our sanctification. Amen. And he is our redemption. Amen. Okay, that's good. All right. Okay, Will, can you do it without looking? Uh, uh, Christ is our portion. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Christ is our wisdom. Amen. Christ is our righteousness. <laughs> Amen. Christ is our sanctification. Amen. And Christ is our redemption. Amen. Okay, now try without looking. Okay, Christ is our portion. Amen. Christ is our wisdom. Amen. Christ is our righteousness. Amen. Christ is our sanctification. Yes. And Christ is our redemption. Yeah. Very good. Okay, now do we have a bold sister? You guys can stay up here so they won't be alone. Two bold sisters that can come up and give us these. Okay, do we have like two on the second row there that uh, are ready? Okay, come on up, sister. Or if you want to do it from there, do you feel more comfortable there? Come on up. Okay, what's your name? Samantha. Samantha, okay, Samantha. Give me your book. Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Samantha. Christ is our portion. Amen. Christ is our wisdom. Amen. Our righteousness. Amen. Our sanctification. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna, at the end of the message, I'll give you a very easy way. Actually, those last four are from one verse, verse 30. He's become wisdom to us, full colon, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And you'll get into it and you'll go, whoa, I cannot believe one verse, the whole Bible's opened up. But anyways, it's good. It's good to practice speaking these things. The more you speak it, the more you get it. The more you speak it, the more it gets into you. You know, it's like I've always given this illustration, um, if I can get my pen out of here. Okay, Samantha, do you know how I know this is my, how you know this is my pen? <laughs> okay, okay, well, let's say you didn't see me pull it out of my shirt. Okay, okay, it doesn't have my name on it, you know, it doesn't, it might have a price or something. The reason, the way you know this is my pen is I can give it to you. That's how you know it's mine. You know how you know you have the word? You can give it to someone else. That's why, listen, we want a lot of practice of speaking this week. Because, and this weekend, the more you speak, the more you get it. So we need to practice when we're with twos and threes. We need to practice when we go back. More you speak these things, they will get into your bloodstream and become part of you. Okay, thank you. All right, great. So let's go ahead and we'll just look at these problems really quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time. Uh, of course, the first one is divisive. And Paul is saying, I'm beseeching you, brothers, through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be attuned to the same mind and the same opinion. Okay, what is divisive? <laughs> they weren't one. This shows they weren't one. They were not perfectly attuned to the same mind and the same opinion. And as a result, they had different opinions, and the different opinions brought them to the point, now listen to this, of splitting up into different camps. How do we know they wanted to split up in different camps? Because later on in the book, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, some of you say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, 
I'm of this, I'm of that. Already, different camps were starting to, to form there in Corinth because they had a big problem here. They were not attuned to the same mind and the same opinion. Okay, striving. I'm going to go through these quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Uh, it has been made clear to me concerning you, my brothers, by those of the house of Chloe, that there are strifes among you. Okay, divisions are something without. Strifes are something within. They're contentions within you that produce something without. They produce divisions, parties, factions without. So strife is something within. It's somewhat hidden. But division is somewhat open. You can see it. Okay, then the next one, fleshy. Now, please pay attention to this. You know, when we read the Bible, we have to pay attention to what it says. Does it say fleshly or fleshy? Okay, and brothers, I was not able to speak to you as, spirit, as to spiritual men, because, but as to fleshy, as to infants in Christ. So how would you like someone to analyze your Christian life? Here's the Apostle Paul analyzing your Christian life. Hey, Danny, how would you like that? And the Apostle Paul says, infants in Christ. Fleshy. There's a difference between fleshly and fleshy. Fleshy, you can write this down, means you're inclined to be in the flesh. To be fleshly is to that you are inclined to be in the flesh. Fleshy, which is what Paul's writing here, is you are in the basement. You live in the flesh. That was the situation. Okay, this was Corinth. Okay, boastful. Who distinguishes you? And what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though not having received it? Okay, boasting is rooted in one fact. Okay, what it's rooted in is the fact that you think in yourself you have something. Or in yourself you can produce something. This is where boasting comes from. You think in yourself you have something or you can produce something. And Paul was saying to them, brothers, what do you have that you didn't receive? Everything you have, Corinthians, is what you've received. So boasting was a problem. Then judgmental. But to me, it's a very small thing that I should be examined by you. And I won't even finish it. Could you believe the infants were there examining the Apostle Paul, his life, his work, and his ministry? These were the infants, the fleshy. They were examining the Apostle Paul, and they were passing judgment on his life and his work and his ministry. Think about this. Paul is the one who brought the riches of Christ to these dear Corinthians. Now they're examining him. Okay, we'll go on. I don't want to spend a lot of time puffed up. I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will ascertain not the speech of those who are puffed up, but the power. You know, when pe- whatever people say, that's one thing. But what people actually have as power and authority to live and express God is another thing. Speaking is very, very easy to say something. But what Paul was looking for 
What do you have as power to live a Christian life? They were puffed up. You know, when something's puffed up like cotton candy, you take a bite and you think you're going to get something, and what is it? A bunch of air, right? That's what the Corinthians were. They were cotton candy. They had, it looked like there was a lot there, but actually puffed up, puffed up. Immoral. It's actually reported there's fornication among you and such fornication that does not even occur among the Gentiles. And you know what Paul was burdened for is the Corinthians didn't have much feeling about it. I mean, here was a brother. He had a relationship with his stepmother. Think about that. And don't you think if you had some feeling, you'd be on your hands and knees. Lord, we don't, you know... We need to deal with this. We need to do something about this. The whole church is going to be under judgment. They didn't have any feeling about it. Paul was saying, it's actually reported that there's fornication among you. And they didn't have much feeling about it. Well, then defeated. He said, already then, it's altogether a defeat to you that you have lawsuits with one another. Now, here's a very important thing that I want you to see here. It doesn't say who was right or wrong by the law. You know, you know, we always want someone to come in. This is always our situation. Am I right or is that sister wrong? Am I right or is that brother wrong? We want somebody to come in and tell me, am I right or wrong by law so we can feel vindicated? You know what Paul said? It's already a defeat. When you're bringing one another to, to the law, it's already a defeat. He said, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? Listen, just the thought, just the thought, forget about the action, just the thought to bring one another to the law, a lawsuit, you're already finished being one spirit with the Lord. You're finished. Just the thought of it. Forget about the action, okay? One of the problems we have as we're growing up in the church life, we, we get into this realm of right and wrong. This is right, this is wrong, this brother wronged me, this sister wronged me. And the more you get into that realm of who's right and who's wrong, the more you're in defeat, the more you're not one spirit with the Lord. Tell me honestly. I'm, I just, I just want to be honest with one another. You know, the, the young people, they have this, this word, real talk. Okay, how about some real talk tonight, okay? Real talk. Tell me honestly. When you've been, quote, wronged by someone, how close are you to the Lord when you're thinking about it? Just ask me. Just ask, I'm just asking, how close do you feel to Christ? How much are you one spirit with the Lord while Perry, you know, the brothers, you know, Perry Mason is doing a whole court case in the mind, why that brother's wrong and why he shouldn't have said that. How close do you feel to the Lord? Paul's word is, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? Paul was, Paul was for these brothers that they would live one spirit with the Lord. Okay, uncaring, he says, so 
The Lord directed those who announced the gospel to live from the gospel. But I myself have not used any of these things, and I have not written these things that I may be so may be so with me. It may be so with me. It is good for me rather than die. Then no one shall make my boast void. Here's the main person in their life that was used by the Lord to raise them up. They didn't care about him. They didn't take care of him financially. Paul had to get help from other churches, from other saints, and the Corinthians just were not caring, okay? Factious. For there must be even parties among you. You know what the main characteristic of a party is? There's no blending and no mingling with people outside the party. You know, sometimes we get into, you know, little, uh, I mean, I don't like to say the word clicks, but we have kind of our favorite people we like to hang out with, and, and, you know, we don't want other people to come into that little group. Anything against blending, anything against mingling, factious, factious. Okay, inconsiderate. In your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and the other is drunk. Okay, I'm finished with this section. Okay, now let's go on to the next section. (laughs) Okay, think about, (laughs) after going through all these things presented, and I promise you there's more than this in Corinthians. (laughs) Don't you believe that Paul had a massive burden to write and reveal to these dear Corinthian believers how practical and how specific Christ is to meet the need? He was burdened. And let me tell you, out of this black background, as the apostle was just writing, he realized, oh, we need Christ for this need. We need Christ for this need. We need Christ for this need. We need the cross for this need. We need Christ. We need Christ. We need the, you know, all these things. Paul realized this is what we need. Now, starting with Roman number one, what's happening here is the scroll is going to start to unveil. It's going to start opening up. In other words, we're going to go through... There's going to be four ministry meetings. There's going to be one Bible study you all are going to do. But what I want you to realize is every meeting, the scroll is going to open up a little more, and you're going to see more of Christ. That's all you're going to see. That's all you're going to see in this conference is Christ plus nothing. Okay, this is what you're going to see in this conference. So, number one, let's all read it together. Go. Okay, let's try that again. Ready? Go. <laughs> Good. Okay, let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Ready? Go. Okay, it doesn't have the word portion per se in that verse, but please underline in that verse who is theirs and ours. Okay? Who is theirs and ours? 
He's our common portion. Every believer, Christ is our portion, okay? Then in Colossians 1.12, could we all read that together? Ready? Go. Okay, so what we need to see in this verse, Christ has been allotted to us by God to be our portion. Okay, he is the allotted portion. And this is, this verse here where it says, it's an interesting utterance that Paul has here, allotted portion of the saints. This refers back to the children of Israel. When the children of Israel were about to go into the good land, they split it up into different allotments for each tribe. So Judah got an allotment, Zebulon got an allotment, all the different tribes, Ishakar got an allotment, they all got a different allotment of the good land. And listen, anything you needed came out of this land. Okay, did you need water? It was in this land. It It was a land of springs, fountains, Did you need food? It's in this land. You need clothing? It came out of this land. Do you need building materials? It came out of this land. Did you need material for weapons? It came out of this land. Everything came out of this land, and everything comes out of this portion of Christ. But here's the thing that I'm a little worried about. You know, when we talk about the good land, I think somewhat we're jaded in our concept. Oh yeah, good land. I read that book, The All-Inclusive Christ. This land is a land flowing with milk and honey. How many have heard that? A land flowing with milk and honey, okay? How about this? It's a good land, spacious land. You know, we've heard these things, haven't we? And maybe even some of y'all, when you're in children's meeting, they sang songs about this land. Maybe even some of us have sang songs about this land. I want you to realize tonight, this land was not ordinary. You know, we know that the earth, when man fell, was cursed. And man had to use the sweat of his brow to bring forth things. But I want you to realize tonight just to, that we could just be released from, we have so much prior knowledge of this land. I want you to realize tonight how rich this land was. I mean, if you just did a little labor, so much would come up. And what God does is he gives us a window. And we need to look through this window together tonight to see how rich this land is. And that window is in Numbers 13.23. So if you have a Bible, you have it on your phone or whatever, look this verse up. I have it already written down, and I'm going to read it to you. This would be a good verse because this verse is a window verse. It's a window to see how rich this land was. In Numbers 13.23, the spies were coming back from spying out the land, and they were going to give a report. And it says, they came to the valley of Eshkol, and from there they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And did they just put it in an H-E-B bag? 
Okay, look what it says there. They cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between the two of them. That's a window. See, I want you to see through the window tonight. That is a window how rich this land is. You know, I don't know how it is in other places. In Austin, they have a kind of a rule, no more plastic bags. So it's funny, you go to, you go to the grocery store and you see all these people carrying you know, little pouches and things like that. They're gonna fill them up after they buy groceries. Can you imagine some guys coming into H-E-B with a big pole? Okay, we're gonna get some grapes tonight. Let me tell you something. This land was so rich, they couldn't even carry one cluster of grapes. They had to have a pole to carry this. Okay, I'm just, the reason I want you to see through this window tonight is I want you to realize how rich this portion of Christ is that has gotten into you. And, and if you just labor a little bit, how much will come out? See, I don't want you to be jaded. I don't want you to think, oh yeah, milk and honey, mmm, milk and honey, mmm. I want you to think, one cluster of grapes and it took two men holding a pole to carry that out. This is how rich this land is. You just do a little labor on this land, so much will come out, okay? And this, brothers and sisters, this was Paul's way to deal with all the problems in Corinth. And the way he dealt with it was, I'm presenting to you a portion. That's what I'm presenting to you. Christ is your portion. And it's a picture, the good land is a picture of this portion that is gonna deal with all your problems. That's why he says there under A, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and this one crucified. Listen, we might not be clear, but I'll tell you, Paul was clear. This is what you need, Corinthian believers. You need this portion. And then, of course, right after that, you know, we have you know, the, the portion and, the, and, and the, the items, which we won't read now, but I hope that some of you on Lord's Day can go through the items as they are right here. Don't worry about the way the outline does it, but do the items right here. Like we already had you know, a brother come up and do some of them tonight, but I hope some brothers and sisters and some freshmen, would some freshmen take the vow right now? Is there any freshman that will raise your hand and say on Lord's Day morning, yeah, raise, raise it up high. Lord's Day morning, I'm gonna, I'm gonna repeat these 20 items. Any freshmen? I know we have some bold freshmen. Okay, we have, what, sister, what's your name? Carrie? Carice, thank you for breaking, the, breaking through. Okay, Carice is gonna do it. Okay, do we have a freshman brother that can do it? Okay. Dad, you gonna do it? All right, great. Okay, and that, that's not limited to those two. I think there'll be some more on Lord's Day morning that can go through these 20 items. Okay, how do you receive this portion? How do you get it? Well, let's read B together. Ready, go. Okay, you know that, you know that picture of that good land? It got into you when you got regenerated. Okay, I just want you to realize, you know, we have the, the picture with the three circles. I won't write them up here. But the day you got regenerated... That portion, that good land, 
got dispensed into the center of your being. And, you know, when we, when we touch the word regeneration, we need to have an understanding of what happened here. Regeneration is not, okay, I want to underline the word not, that you turned over a new leaf. I had a born-again experience. I have a new beginning, a new start. No, no, that is not regeneration. Regeneration is receiving another life in addition to your human life. Let me say that again. Regeneration is receiving another life in addition to your human life. When you were born, you received the human life from your father and mother. When you're regenerated, you receive the life of God from God. Now, God is your father. Praise him. Okay, so... Anyways, regeneration, we got the portion, okay? And in, verse, in 1 Corinthians 1, 7, it says, so that you do not lack in any gift, eagerly awaiting the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in regeneration, we received a gift. And what is the gift? Well, how about sisters who read Romans 6, 23? Ready, go. Okay. Right, so number one, that gift is eternal life. Okay, brothers, 238. So you also received the gift of the Holy Spirit when you were regenerated. Okay, then all together on the third verse, which is Hebrews 6, 4. Right, so you got the heavenly gift. So you got, you got uh, the uh, eternal life, the Holy Spirit, and the heavenly gift when you're regenerated. And that's really good that we got regenerated. We have this, this portion within us. But then we have to ask this question, how do you experience this portion? You see how this outline just flows? There's a portion you receive the portion by regeneration. Now we need to see, how do you experience this, this uh, portion? And that way is by fellowship. So let's read 1 Corinthians 1.9. Ready, go. Okay, you know, when we got regenerated, I want you to write this down. We began to have a relationship that we can call fellowship. Okay, we began to have a relationship that we can call fellowship. It says, we were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, you know, there's a lot, again, you talk about another term that's been drugged through the mud, fellowship. Hey, where are you going Friday night? I'm going down to the fellowship hall. We're going to go eat some hot dogs and play some ping pong at the fellowship hall. Okay, Justin, we need to pull that word fellowship out of the mud, right? <laughs> this word fellowship, write this down. It means a participation. Okay, you could actually say this. You were called into the participation 
of what? His son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And this participation, what does it look like? Okay, we just wanna ask, what does this participation look like? It's like traffic. Okay, you might think, wow, I was in traffic all day. Don't tell me more about traffic. (laughs) It's like traffic. God comes to you, and you go to God, and then you go to God, and God comes to you, and you're just in this wonderful traffic. That's how we experience the portion, is by being in the traffic. Okay, the problem is, many times, we're not in the right traffic. We're in traffic, but we're in the wrong traffic. So let me give you an example. Um, you live with some brothers, brother's house, have a wonderful meeting that night. Then you come home, and uh, there's this huge pile of dishes in the sink. And right away, you get into the wrong traffic. You're not participating anymore in Jesus Christ. You're participating in some hot, Vesuvius boiling emotions. Okay, you don't have to stay there though. We've been called into the fellowship of his son and we can get out of that traffic just by a simple turn and get into the right traffic. Okay, many, many times, many, many times, we're in a situation and we just get into the wrong traffic. But the verse says, you've been called into the traffic of his son, the fellowship of his son. You can leave that traffic and you can come back and enjoy the traffic of his son, Jesus Christ. And listen, this traffic, there's four points under this traffic here. This traffic is like a flow within. And, you know, the verse we used here is you have an anointing from the Holy One. This flow is an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know. And this word anointing is a very, very specific word. It actually comes from a noun, which is ointment. But when that noun, ointment, is in action, it's anointing. In other words, the ointment now is moving, being rubbed in, and being added to your being. It's an anointing. It's a, you know, what we have in English, it's called a verbal noun. It's a noun in action. And this ointment, listen, it's like a salve. You have some type of hurt. You have some type of wound. And, you know, especially with the people that play sports, you know, they get some type of problem and they go and they just rub this salve in. And all of a sudden they sense heat. And then the muscles begin to soften. They're not so hard anymore. And, and, and it does something to your being. Well, this is a heavenly salve with all the elements of Christ that are just being rubbed into your being. And listen, when this happens, you practically experience Christ as your portion taking care of your problems. Okay, let me give you an example. Anybody here ever uh, get anxious about things? Okay, we got some honest people here. 
Man, if you're in school, you're anxious. It's, it's 24-7 you're anxious about things. You know, just go sit in the cafeteria and listen to conversations about the tests, about the papers, about the group project. You know, just on and on and on again. They're anxious, anxious. It's just, it's just you know, I go to, you know, University of Anxiety is the one I go, <laughs> U of A, you know. Just anxious, anxious, anxious. Okay. <laughs> Listen, one touch, just one touch with him, and that ointment gets applied, and all of a sudden the anxiety just recedes. Okay, we had this one sister gave a testimony a couple of weeks back in the uh, district meeting. Boy, I don't know if she's here, um, but I just realized whoa, what we're talking about tonight is real. This is not a Bible teaching. Don't, don't think we're just spouting out Bible teaching. This is real. This, is, this will affect you. So she, she got the, gave, up, gave this testimony. She says she woke up in the middle of the night, and she didn't say she was having a panic attack, but it was, she was describing she was very anxious and could not sleep and really worried about something. So, you know, I'm listening to this testimony. I'm going, where is this testimony going to go? You know what she says? She says, then I began to call on the Lord. And she just called on the Lord, called on the Lord. You know what happened? The salve began to be applied. The ointment began to be applied. She says, you know, I just was so peaceful. I just went to sleep and woke up the next morning. And I realized, wow, that's real. That is real. In other words, these aren't just Bible teachings. That's real. As, you, as that ointment gets applied to you, everything you need is applied to your being. Okay, then, um, oh, this next one, brothers, sisters, causing, to grow, causing us to grow up in Christ. Let's all read Ephesians 4.15. Ready? Go. Um, I just want you to realize that regeneration is just the beginning. Okay, please, please just realize that. Regeneration is just the beginning. Yeah, the best way you could describe this is like you have this Olympic-sized pool just filled with water. And somebody falls in and you get splashed, and a drop of that water gets on you. That drop is like regeneration. Okay, yeah, you, is it water? Yeah. Did you get something? Yeah. But it's not the whole pool. Regeneration is just a drop. Okay. So how do you experience the whole pool? See, are you satisfied? Just, you know, I, I've heard, Carrie, I know you've heard people, I was born again 20 years ago. I've heard that. I, I've literally heard it with my own ears. Are we happy people get born again? Absolutely. Do we want people to get born again? Absolutely. Do we want people to get baptized? Absolutely. You know, tomorrow there's going to be a chance for some of you all to be baptized. Take advantage of it. It is a great experience, but remember this, it's just the beginning. 
It's just the beginning. How, how do you experience the whole pool? How does the whole pool become your experience? I'll tell you, it equals growth. It's not until the spirit begins to spread into your mind, into your emotion, and your will, then, it, then your experience of that pool is yours. It equals growth. The more the spirit spreads, the more it becomes the pool to you. Okay, so when we talk about growth, okay, this is what I want you to understand. Growth is not an increase of knowledge. Now I have more Bible knowledge, so I've grown. Growth is not an increase of activity. Now I'm doing more types of, you know, spiritual activity. Growth is not an increase of activity. Growth is not an increase of a better behavior, okay? Growth is not an increase of power. Now I have more power. Growth is not an increase of gift. Now I have more gifts. Okay, what is growth? What is growth? Okay, I'll open it up to you. I have a sentence I'd like to say, but I'd like to see what you all feel. What is growth? Any freshman want to start, give me an answer of what is growth? Okay, we're, I mean, it is in the Bible, right? We all agree with that, right? We may grow up into him in all things. You all agree with that, right? Okay, so again, what is it? What is growth? I told you what it is, and it's not you have more Bible knowledge now. You're more zealous to, to do things. It's not that you're more pious, you're better behaved. I'm not talking about that. What is it? What is growth? Any freshmen? You know, Dad, I have an appointment with Dad. Dad, don't hide behind there. <laughs> Dad, I know, I know you are really seeking, aren't you? Okay, Dad, what is, what is growth? Think about it. What is it? Okay, I won't put you on the spot too much, Dad, but... I want you to think about that. What is growth? Hey, Michael Evans, I see you there. Michael, what is growth? Oh, did you hear that? Okay. Get up and, and say it a little louder. Whoa. Okay, I, I, will, I will say it close to that. I'll say the increase of the element of Christ in your soul. So write this down. Growth is the increase of the element of Christ in your soul. Okay? You know, all those other things that I told you, it's not the increase of knowledge. You know, you can get more Bible knowledge, but Christ hasn't increased in you. You can behave better, but Christ hasn't increased in you. You can do a lot of things. You have more power, but he hasn't increased in you. Okay? Growth is the increase of the element of Christ in your soul. Okay, now, I'm really burdened on this point because with many people, and I'm talking about dear believers, I mean Christians, they love the Lord. They really love the Lord. But they just have gotten to this point, regeneration, and they've stopped. Okay, and this is the case with many, many believers is are they regenerated? Yes. Are they saved for eternity? Yes. Have they been baptized? Yes. Do they love the Lord? Yes. But they just stopped right here at regeneration. 
They didn't, they didn't take the next step, which is you've got to grow. See, I really want you to get this. Okay, if you're in the right place, okay, and that's between you and the Lord, if you're in the right place, what is front and center all the time? Front and center, growth should be front and center all the time. Yes, regeneration, like I said, we're for regeneration. But what we're all about is the element of Christ spreading into your being. This has to be front and center all the time. In other words, do we really mean business? Or are we just happy? I've got my fire insurance policy. I mean, I'm sorry for belittling it that much, but we're just satisfied. I'm saved. I'm happy now. Leave me alone. Are we just satisfied with that? Or is there something within us not satisfied just to be regenerated, just to you know, have the life of God? Or do we want that life to become the Olympic pool? Do we want that life to grow inside of us? Brothers, this is the name of the game in this age while we're waiting for the Lord's return. The name of the game now is growth. We need to allow the Lord to into all the rooms of the house. Okay, the five wise virgins, they took oil in their vessel. The five foolish virgins, they all had oil, but only five took oil in their vessel. They allowed the oil to saturate. They allowed Christ to saturate their whole being. Okay, how about, how about a prayer like this? Lord, you can repeat after me. Lord, help me to grow. Lord, I want you to increase your element in me. Lord, I want you to increase your element in my soul. Lord Jesus, grow in me. Let's say it one more time. Lord Jesus, grow in me. Sisters, brothers, together, Lord Jesus, grow in me. Okay, you've been called into that. Not, re- not just regeneration, you've been called into a life of growth. This portion would spread and grow inside of you. Okay, then being the reality, this is a simple one. It says, even the spirit of reality, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and shall be in you. It's amazing. People go to such extremes to fill themselves. And then they they get what they're after. And you know what they find? They're still the same. They're empty. So this one brother was telling me, this is pre-Christ days, he used to work on a cruise ship. And you know those cruise ships, they go all over the world. And he started telling me about going to the pyramids in Egypt. And he got to the pyramids in Egypt. I mean, I'd like to go see them. I mean, I'm honest, I'd like to go. But he went to the pyramids in Egypt and he was there, you know, standing there with the pyramids. And he realized... I'm still empty. I'm still empty. You know what? You don't have to get on a cruise ship. The cruise ship is taking off tonight. It's right here. It's called God's economy. (laughs) 
USS God's economy. <laughs> and you can be filled with reality. Okay, then uh, the, the uh, fourth point under fellowship is continuously dispensed into us through the economy of God. Let's all read 1 Timothy 1.4. Ready, go. Okay, so give heed to God's economy, which is in faith. So with, with many, this is probably somewhat of a new word, economy. And I mean, I, I study that, you know, supply and demand. What are you talking about? Economy of God. Okay, let, let me just say briefly, it comes from two Greek words, oikos and nomia. Oikos means house. And nomia is law. It's a house law or a household administration. Okay, so when we say economy, this is God's way or administration to get all the riches of the householder who is God into all the members of the household, which is us. This is God's economy, is to dispense all the riches from the household, from the householder into the members of the household. Okay, but, you know, it's one thing for me to say and give a little definition, but I think it's good if we have somebody come up here and portray it. What does it look like? Okay? What does it look like? Okay, so I won't ask a freshman. I'll ask Alex to come up here. Okay, Alex. Okay, now we have a board and we have some markers here. And and Alex, really use your spirit and, and portray what does God's economy look like? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just use that. That's good. Okay. Can, can we turn this on? I think I got to turn it on. Is, is it on? Okay, help, help us, bro. Okay, there we go. All right, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> okay. Um, so, God's economy in a drawing. Uh, you know, and ask me, oh, okay. what? Okay. I just want to say this. I hope that all of you can do the same drawing. I really do. And we might even have one or two come up and do it, but go ahead, Alex. Okay. So, God's economy, it begins with God all alone up here in heaven. He's by himself. Yeah, I'm going to hold but this. Then, and so, yeah, we see this in John 1.1, 1, 1, that the, in the beginning was the Word. But then, in John 1.14, the Word became flesh. All right. And dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of incredible. Because, <coughs> you know, in the Old Testament, it was prophesied that a Savior was coming to Israel. And, you know, people thought there was going to be some amazing king. And they got God in the flesh. This is just, I mean... Talk about a, to- a totally different change of uh, concept. Um, and then after you Okay, came, okay right. so what, what do we call this right here? Ah, we call that incarnation. Incarnation. So incarnation. put I-N-C. Yes, okay. So after incarnation, yeah. we have the human... Yeah, why don't you write down I-N-C okay. there? That's I-N-C. good. Yeah, it's good. Okay, yeah. so after he was incarnated... Yeah, so yeah. He lived a perfect human life. Okay. And... In this human life, he he managed to do what none of us could do, right. which is 
live without sin. Yes. And because he lived without sin, uh, we are able to, with his life, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 talks about uh, how when we experience the sufferings of Christ, the comfort of Christ also abounds well, to us. Good. So when we, uh, when we experience what Christ already experienced, <coughs> we channel him and overcome through him. Yeah, enjoy so, him, not channel him. Enjoy channel, him. Enjoy him. Amen. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Uh, and so then after... Yeah, put HL, human living. Okay, human living. HL. Yeah, good. Yeah. All right, okay. good. And then after the human living, yeah. he was crucified on the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was dead and he was buried. Okay. Uh, but, you want me to write something? Yeah, well, yeah, why don't you put crucified? Crucified. Yeah, okay. there you go. But it does not stop there. Okay, well, wait, Alex. Tell us some things. What, what did he accomplish on the cross? Uh, well, he accomplished uh, forgiveness of sins. And he okay. accomplished uh, redemption. Okay. And he accomplished sanctification. Well, what, what, you know, like, who died on the cross? Was, uh, it, was it just Christ? Ah, we all died. We all were crucified with Christ. Yeah, there you go. And who, el- who else died on the cross? Satan? Right. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Keep okay. going. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay. okay. So after he was crucified, he resurrected. Okay. And he lived as a human on the earth in resurrection. He did not just go straight back into the heavens. He lived on the earth in resurrection. Yeah, how many days? Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, 40 days. 40 days. Okay. okay. So 40 days on yeah. the earth. Yeah. And then... He ascended. Okay. And in ascension. Okay, no, wait, wait. There's something you're missing right here. Okay, in resurrection, something real important happened. Something real, real important. Anybody want to come up? Will, you better come up here and help him, Will. Uh, Will, come on. <laughs> so, Will, in resurrection, what happened? What's the big thing in resurrection? I think... Uh, yeah, look at them. <laughs> uh, this would be 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Ooh, Will, you nailed it. Okay. So when Christ ascended, uh, he became the life-giving spirit. Well, in resurrection. In oh, resurrection. Oh, okay. In resurrection. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, resurrection. When Christ, when Christ resurrected, he became the life-giving spirit. Yeah, so you want to put LGS up there, that became the life-giving spirit. Okay. All right, thanks. Well, you stay here in case we need you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so uh, after he ascended, he was enthroned Good. at the right hand of God. Okay. And after he was enthroned, he came down. Yes. He descended into our spirit on the day of Pentecost. Okay, go ahead and throw, do okay. the three circles there. Okay. Yep. Boom. We love it. Okay. Okay, and then he comes and he lives in our spirit right here. Yeah, yeah. And then after he comes in our spirit... He wants to spread from there. Yeah. And so good. this is growth. Yeah. Very good. Of the uh, element of Christ into our soul. Okay, good. You know, a lot of the young people, they have these little wristbands. You know, of course, Alex, you didn't know it. He, he was kind of cheating a little bit. He was looking at his wristband. But those wristbands, they have the process right there. But this right here, like Alex said, this is how you portray God's economy. You know, a lot of times young people will come up to me and say, I don't know what to say to people. I don't know how to preach the gospel to my friends. I'll tell you what, you learn this chart. 
You would not believe how many people have never seen this chart and you show them the steps that God went through so he could get into you. This chart becomes a great help for preaching the gospel. Okay, how about a sister, a couple of sisters come up? That want, and we'll leave the chart up. You just go through the chart. Do we have a couple of bold sisters that would come up? It's not hard. It's already written for you. Any sisters? Okay, come on up. Good. Yeah, give her the mic. Yep. And I believe, that, sister, I forgot your name. What is it again? Uh, my name's Angela. And, and she is a freshman. Yes. Okay, so Angela, you got to be fresh. Want to try? Okay, go ahead. Try my best. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so first we start with God, and yes. we were separated from God because of Garden of Eden and all the events. Yeah. And um, then he, God incarnated himself as man. Yeah. So that we can, like, connect, be able to, like, have a relationship with him. That's right. Um, and then as Jesus Christ, he was the only man ever to live a human life without any sin. Very good. And at the end of his human life, he was crucified where he died for our sins. Yes. And we died with him. And yes. He, and sin, sin and Satan died. Too. That's right. Very and good. Once he died, he uh, resurrected. Well, he, he went into the tomb he for three days, three nights. Three days and then got resurrected. Good. Um, and through resurrection, we were able to love again because he became the life-giving spirit. Very good. Excellent. Now, now we're able to receive him into our own spirit. He goes to the throne. Yeah. And but now he comes down to us into our own spirit. And through our spirit, he, we experience growth, which Oof. through which our spirit spreads through from our spirit to our soul, to our flesh. And from there, we spread it to other people around us. <laughs> you could, that was excellent. Very good, Angela. Very good. Excellent. Okay, go ahead. Yep, sorry. I think all of us should be able to do that. I won't call any more up here, but we should all be able to go through this diagram just like she did and just very simply go through it and say, this is how God can get into man. He became a man, lived a perfect human life for 33 and a half years, died on the cross, and like she said, it included us, it included Satan, it included our sins, dealt with our sins, went into the tomb in three days and three nights, resurrected, became the LGS, the life-giving spirit. On the day of Pentecost, that LGS was poured out, and the church was produced, and growth began. Hallelujah, growth has begun. Amen. Okay, great. Okay, Roman rule two, wisdom. Okay, I want you to take a look at this. Christ is the one who became wisdom to us from God. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom to us from God. And again, this word here, wisdom, I know what you're thinking, what wisdom is. You know, even Solomon, when he prayed, he asked for wisdom. How to go in and out among God's people. But I wanted to give something practical to this so that you would have a feeling about this word wisdom. Okay, okay, let's say you're driving in a car and you're with a person and you don't know that that person is wise. 
You're just having a normal conversation. You have no idea that you're driving with a person that's very, very wise. And then all of a sudden, something happens. The car breaks down. And this person gets out and exercises the wisdom this person has and fixes it right there on the spot. You know what? The wisdom was hidden, but when a problem came in, the wisdom was manifested. You know what? There was a huge problem in the universe. It was called the fall of man. This was a huge problem. Spirit, soul, and body damaged by the fall. And so here it's saying, Christ Jesus, listen to this, became wisdom to us. Okay, do you have a problem with your spirit? He's wisdom. You have a problem with your soul? He's wisdom. You have a problem with your body? He's wisdom. He's the one that can meet every need that you have. And that's why it's amazing the details of that wisdom are righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In the same verse, both righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now think about this. Righteousness is for all your past sins. And, and is very much related to your spirit. So let's read Romans 8.10. Ready, go. Okay. So you have a problem with your past? He's your righteousness. You know, sometimes, you know, you know one of the most deadly enemies of the young people is? It's called condemnation. It's a, it's, a, it's a hidden, hidden enemy. Something in your past is just beating you over the head. And nobody knows about it. You're the only one who knows about it. I want to tell you tonight, Christ is your righteousness. Okay? I don't care what your past has been. Christ is the righteous one that took care of your complete past. Not just the good past. I'm talking about the dark, the stuff you don't want people to know about. Christ is your righteousness for everything in your past. Okay? Okay, then sanctification. Could we read 1 Thessalonians 5.23? Ready, go. Okay, so write this down. What does sanctification mean? Okay, S and S. Separated and saturated. Separated and saturated. And sanctification mainly takes place now. Righteousness was for the past. Sanctification is for now and mainly takes place in your soul. Okay, I know in the verse there it has spirit, soul, and body, but mainly... Our problem is our mind, its thinking is not separated. Think about your mind today, where it went. Was it separated? And not only was it not separated, it's not saturated. How about your emotions? Were they separated today? Or oh, you just love lots of things. Was it separated? Did it love God? Or love other things? I mean, we're all the same. I'm not, I'm not putting it on you. Like right here, I need separation and saturation. 
But no matter what your problem is in your soul, Christ is wisdom you as sanctification for right now. Okay, then redemption. Could we all read Romans 8.23? Ready, go. Okay, and this is for the future. You have problems with your body. I had a bad cold this week. I had problems. Some people, you know, Carrie one time was brushing his teeth. I will never forget this, Carrie. I mean, Carrie here, you know, specimen, physical specimen. He's bending over, brushing his teeth, and his whole back went out. Isn't that right, Carrie? We're, we're fragile. I just want you to know we're mortal and we're fragile. And, and eventually, it's all going to be taken care of in the future when he redeems our body. It's all going to be taken care of, right, Carrie? Okay. Okay, so think about this. Okay, Christ is wisdom. He is the one. There's a universal wreck. There's a wreck in the universe. It's called mankind. Now, I just want you to think about this. And here he comes. Number one, to take care of everything in your past, he's your righteousness. And number two, to take care of everything right now, he's your sanctification. And number three, to take care of everything in the future, he's your redemption. He is righteousness, he is sanctification, and he is redemption. In other words, all that Christ is, he's, he, I mean, you think about it. He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And then the brothers up there said, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. I mean. Christ is just the centrality of the Godhead. If you have Christ, you have everything that God is. Think about that. And this Christ, do you have any type of problems? This Christ takes care of problems in your past, takes care of problems right now, and he takes care of problems in the future. And do you have problems, you know, with your spirit? Christ takes care of your spirit. And your soul, he takes care of now. And your body, he takes care of in the future. This this Christ, it's all of God for all of our being, for all of time. You think about that. You look at now, turn the page to that last chart that you have there. And that chart will make much more sense to you now when you look at, turn the page and you look at that chart. Okay, look at that. Isn't that chart beautiful? Look at it. Okay, you have... Wisdom is, is Christ, and he's, that's God is all. And then what do we need for all that we need? Right? Re- righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Do you need anything more than this? And then this refers to all three parts of our being, and it's for past, present, and future. This wisdom is amazing. This all comes from one verse, brothers and sisters. It's God for everything we need, for every part of our being, for all of time. Okay, that's perfect. I stopped before nine o'clock. It's your turn now. Remember, remember what I said in the beginning. If you want to know that this is yours, you gotta give it away. You have a chance now to come up and share. You can repeat points. You can repeat the four, five points from tonight or whatever you wanna share, but come up and release something. And the more you speak, the more it will become yours.